Hello everyone, my name is Andy Fernandez. And my name is Michael Fernandez. And welcome back to another episode of What Makes It Great. Today we are talking about, I think, our last movie from 1951, The African Queen, directed by John Huston, starring Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn, ranked number 17 on the original list and number 65 on the updated 10th anniversary list. Oh, wow. Wait, 17 to 65? Yeah, big drop. Oh, wow. I wonder why that is. Well, there are... I think it was ranked so high because of its stars, probably. Mm-hmm. The American Film Institute's number one male star of classic Hollywood and number one female star of classic Hollywood together on the same in the same movie. Yeah, who, Humphrey Bogart, Catherine Hepburn? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a big drop-off. It does stay on the list, but... And anyway, um, this was my second time, I think, watching this movie. I think I saw it a long time ago and checked it out on Amazon Prime. Was this your first time watching it? Yep, first time watching it, but it felt just like um, the Jungle Cruise ride at Disney World. Yes. So it felt like I'd seen it before. Yeah, um, and the the uh, Jungle Cruise ride, at least stylistically, was based a lot on this movie. Hmm. Um, awesome. Well... Yeah, this movie is for free if you have an Amazon Prime um, membership, so you can watch it on there if you'd like, and we can just go right into it. I don't have much to talk about, because we've already talked about John Huston when we talked about Maltese Falcon and Treasure of the Sierra Madre. We've already talked about Humphrey Bogart with both of those movies, plus Casablanca, and we've already talked about Catherine Hepburn with The Philadelphia Story and with Bringing Up Baby. Mm -hmm. So I do know that you recently listened listened to an audiobook of Catherine Hepburn's life. Yeah, but I don't really remember exactly what she said about African Queen. It was something about them just drinking a lot while they were in Africa. <laughs> right. Um but was it some of the production notes I saw about it was like Catherine Hepburn got real sick and most of the mm-hmm. crew got sick, but uh, Bogey didn't and Houston didn't because they were just drinking whiskey and they weren't drinking the water there. Yeah. Um, and then what else did I see? Well, it's another movie shot on location, much uh-huh. like Sierra Mod, uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre. This movie goes and was shot in Uganda and, and Congo. Mm-hmm. And um, then also a studio in England. But. Yeah. And what else did they do in this? They, um, based on like a novel or a short story or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the main character, Bogey's character was supposed to be English, but. He couldn't do like a chutney accent or Cockney, whatever, Cockney yeah. accent, whatever it is. Um, and so he was like, no, we'll just make you Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they kind of gave up on that. Yeah. Kept him though. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's really all I have on production. Like, and there's nothing really a little stock box. It's basically just these two actors the whole time, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is notable in itself. But yeah. you want to get in the movie then? Let's do it. All right, so we start off in the jungles of Africa, and we are in color. So another color film that we haven't seen too, too many of, but this is two in a row now, so we're on a hot streak. <laughs> um, we're looking at, at some trees as we seem to be kind of floating on a river, and we get the title card that we're in German, East Africa, 1914. Hmm. Um, there's like a small village with some huts and things, and we move into a Methodist church where there are two white missionaries singing a song, and African people just kind of making noises. (laughs) Um, It it speaks to kind of like the naive, I think the naive sense of entitlement and the 
futility and just kind of pompous nature of like white missionaries going into you know being white saviors and like let's sing hymns and stuff but they have no idea and no desire to learn the culture that they're actually there for yeah and their song is also really annoying yeah and this is the scene where I, where I read that Catherine Hepburn was really sick and she's like sitting there playing an organ and had like off camera a bucket so that she could throw up into when, when they were not shooting. And it's her brother who's like the lead missionary or something. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Rose Sayer. That's her character's name. Charlie Allnut, who's Humphrey Bogart's character, is making his way to the dock on his steamship named the African Queen. African Queen. And... He at least speaks the language. He's talking to the villagers and and has some sense of like adapting and learning their culture and their language. And he kind of arrives to see the service a little bit and laughs at it. At the, I would say at the futility of their efforts and there's their, like I said, naive entitlement or something. And then he goes, he's like, he delivers their mail or something. That's his one of his jobs on his steamship to go up and down the river to deliver the mail to these villages or something. And... He does some work in a mine, I think, transporting supplies or something to a mine. Um, but he goes, they invite him to have tea. And there's a funny scene where he's at the table waiting to be stirred and his stomach keeps gurgling and making all kinds of noises. And I don't know if that's to say, like, he's hungry or poor or he's sick or he's an alcoholic or something. But it's kind of reminding me of that Charlie Chaplin movie. I forget which one it was where his, like, stomach kept, keeps gurgling with the uh and they have like the commercial for like the antacids and stuff oh yeah yeah on the radio yeah <laughs> modern times i think yeah um yeah no i didn't really read into it he was just having a gargly stomach and they kept on being uncomfortable by it and like, oh, this guy's annoying mm-hmm. and he leaves they're kind of like the higher class pompous and he's lower class and stuff but he leaves after he kind of shares with them the news about world war one breaking out and that he's like, I'm not going to be back this way for a few months because of the war. And um, after, shortly after he leaves, the German soldiers march into the village and chase out the villagers and burn down their huts. And I think smack Rose's brother across the head or something. Mm-hmm. And he quickly deteriorates and starts kind of like losing his mind a bit, like not knowing where he is and, and uh, quickly dies, basically. <laughs> Shortly after Rose's brother dies, Charlie comes back to see the village kind of burned and only Rose is left. And he, I think he offers to help bury her brother. And then he's like, come on, let's get on my boat and uh, we'll go hide out. And they go hide out behind an island. And Charlie's plan is to hide out there until the war ends, which seems pretty unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But I guess he thinks it's going to be short lived or something. He's not quite sure how long it'll be. But we know, in hindsight, it goes on for like five more years. Yeah, it does. Oh, but Rose has a different plan. She suggests basically traveling down this really treacherous river and turning the using the supplies on the boat to turn it into a torpedo to ram a big ship, a big German ship called the Louisa that's sitting on a lake that they think is like keeping the British out or something. So they view this as like a really strategic move to help the British army and Navy uh, defeat the Germans. So they're going to do their part. And that's basically the plot for the rest of the movie is these two people traveling down this treacherous river. They highlight like 
we gotta go through these sections of rapids, and then there's this fortress, and then there's this thing, and then and that's like they lay out the whole story of the movie of mm-hmm. what's gonna follow. Mister Ornott. Yes, Miss. What did you say is in these boxes with the red lines on them? Well, them. Well, that's blasting gelatin, Miss. Is it dangerous? Ah, uh, bless you, no, Miss. That's safety stuff. That is, you can get it wet and it don't do it any harm. You set fire to it and it just burns. You can hit it with a hammer and it won't go off. <laughs> At least I don't think it will. It takes a detonator to set it off. I'll put it over the side, though, if it worries you. No, we may want it. Mr. Allnut. Yes, miss? What are these long, round, uh, torpedo-like things? Oh, them? Them's oxygen and hydrogen cylinders, miss. Mr. Allnut. I'm still right here, miss. There ain't much of any other place I could be on a 30-foot boat. <laughs> You're a machinist, aren't you? I mean, wasn't that your position at the mine? Yes, a kind of a fixer, jack-of-all-trades and master of none, like they say. Could you make a torpedo? How's that, miss? Could you make a torpedo? A torpedo? <laughs> Ask me to make a dreadnought and do it upright, a torpedo, miss. You don't really know what you're asking. You see, there ain't nothing so complicated as the insides of a torpedo. It's got gyroscopes, compressed air chambers, compensating shoulders. But all those things, those gyroscopes and things, they're only to make it go, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, go and hit what it's aimed at. Well, we've got the African Queen. So... It gives you what to expect. It's another journey movie mm-hmm. um, where there's different like checkpoints and check marks. Um, but, uh, you know, it's so that was kind of like a little eye rolly in how much exposition was kind of being laid out. But, uh, yeah, overall, I think the movie itself was okay for me. Um, but where it excels for me is there is a real sense of adventure at some of those high points for um on the journey and bogart and hepburn i think play pretty well off of each other and especially since both of them are kind of older and not exactly the most attractive at this stage in their careers that it's interesting for that respect that they have like an older guy and an older woman in this adventure movie in hollywood when typically you'd You'd think they would get, like, the best-looking young people out there kind of a thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I mean, they're still super huge. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're massive stars. Um, but, yeah, they're, it's a little odd to have an adventure movie with, like, I don't know. Kind of reminded me of that mo- more modern movie Red with, like, Helen Mirren and John Malkovich and Morgan Freeman, I think, where they're, mm-hmm. like, old assassins, basically. <laughs> um, or space cowboys. all right so they continue on they travel down the river and charlie gives rose a tutorial on how to read the river um kind of like look at the look at the way the waves are going and that's how you know there's shallow water here deep water there and all that stuff and he also tells her about the boiler and that he has to like kick it when it starts to act up or else it'll blow and that becomes basically like He's up at the engine, like the boiler, like making sure it, it's going and kicking it and stuff. And uh, Rose is steering the ship from the back, and they become a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Um, he says something dumb there. He's like, uh, "She's the only thing I got. I'm gonna keep kicking her." It was really stupid, really weird kind of yeah. sexist thing he was doing—a domestic <laughs> abuse joke. Maybe, yeah. He's like, I know how to fix her. I just never got around to it. And I know how to hit her just right to get going again or something. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. 
They uh, stop to rest, and Charlie throws the anchor and pours himself some gin at one point, and Rose stares at it uncomfortably before declining the drink, and Charlie makes her some tea instead. And I have this, like, no, is she an alcoholic? Is that why she went with her brother as a missionary? Like, she... No, I didn't look that much into it. <laughs> I think that there was something there. There was there was a deliberate look that she gives in her performance, and then they never mention it. So I was like, is that something she added to her character? Or is that um, just like... I don't know. I was thinking about her performance. There was, there was that very deliberate thing that was some nuance to it, but it was enough to call your attention to it. And there's got to be some purpose to it, but I couldn't quite figure it out. And I kind of, in my own head version of the of her character, I was like, maybe she was an alcoholic. And Nah, I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you see in that scene? Nothing. She was just like a... Uncomfortable about his drinking? Yeah, she's a very, very religious woman. Yeah. Very, very strict. Puritanical. Maybe, yeah. Uh... Didn't want him to drink. I don't know. Thought it was evil. Yeah, it's probably more likely. Um, that night, it's kind of... They have a couple of moments back-to-back where they're kind of starting to flirt with each other or, like, those little innuendos of, like, they're bathing in the river and then she can't get back up into the boat and so he has to help her, but he can't look at her. Mm-hmm. And then that night, it's raining heavily and Rose is sleeping kind of under the covered part of the boat and he's out in the in the rain and... He goes under the covered part and she kicks him out, but then offers it to allow him back in to come out of the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just kind of like tantalizing, like, will they, won't they, like kind of romantic subplot thing. Um, but really the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next day they come upon some rapids. So this is like the first major roadblock in their journey. And they su- he successfully, or they both successfully navigate them through it. And she's... Rose is super excited about it. She says something like, I've never been that, like, uh, energized by anything in my life, except for maybe, like, when my brother was giving a sermon or something. But it's, like, she's, like, almost, like, turned on by the excitement and the adventure, and it kind of speaks, I think, to, to her attraction to Charlie and his type of character. Um, I think it's one of, again, one of the high points of Hepburn's performance in this movie. Um, she, and so she, what she wants to do is she wants to keep practice steering so that she can do it the next time, uh, go through the rapids the next time. And, and uh, he just kind of eventually gets drunk and finally gets a ter- the courage to tell her how stupid and dangerous her plan is. And kind of insults her and drunkenly is singing a song as he's kind of throwing back more gin. Tweedledeedledum or whatever. It's a funny little drunk song. He does some good drunk acting in this movie. Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't acting based mm-hmm. on the production notes that we had of him chugging back gin during the thing with John Houston. Mm-hmm. There was the bull fish man set sail from off Pimlico. And when he get off Pimlico, the winds did begin to blow, and the little boat little wobbled so, that overboard was he singing twinkly-little-dum. Um, but then he falls asleep drunkenly and wakes up to Rose dumping out his gin into the river, and uh, he's too hungover to fight her on it. But once he sobers up, he tries to make good, and she's kind of giving him the silent treatment. 
Um, and he thinks she's mad at him for insulting her, but really she's kind of mad at him for breaking his promise to go down the river. He, um, she's mad at him, like saying this is a stupid idea more than, more than what the, the insulting words that he, he shouted at her. And then they continue on and they approach the German fortress on the river, which is their second big roadblock uh, on their path. Uh, they duck down and the Germans are firing down on them. It's really exciting, a really exciting scene with a lot of gunfire and stuff. Uh, kind of reminded me of the train car scene in Treasure of the Sierra Madre, mm-hmm. where they were firing back. But here they're not firing so, back. Yeah, yeah, with a gold hat. Um, but uh, they're ducking down, trying to just get through the thing, and the Germans shoot at the African queen, and they break a hose that's attached to the boiler, and it kills the engine. And there's like, there's nothing to do for them but drift at this point. But they continue taking fire. And Charlie kind of risks it and pokes his head up and fixes the hose so they can get out of there. And the engine starts up again. And as they're nearing the end, a German has Charlie in his sights, but he gets blinded by the sun. And they make it past and out, out of the sight of the German soldiers at the fortress. And it's, mm-hmm. I think pro- that is probably, and the rapid scene, the way they filmed it and the way they shot it or edited it was kind of really... Um, adventurous and it kind of kept me really engaged with the movie at this part and there's enough of these moments where it's paced pretty well actually um because it it dips down for some character stuff and it comes up the the with uh with a rapid scene or it it dips down and then it comes up with this fortress moment and it kind of does that throughout i think it's a good story structure to keep the audience engaged right after the fortress there's another section of rapids and rose is steering this time and Water's crashing over the sides, and the roof falls down on Rose, and Charlie's kicking the engine, but they make it through. Um, and I think... Barely, yeah. Hmm? So just barely. Just barely, yeah. And I think they filmed a lot of the rapid sequences with a miniature um, boat mm, so, that, so that they could get through and just, like, run it through, like, I don't know, a, a tub or something. <laughs> I don't know what they did. But uh, a lot of the movie they filmed, you know on the studio lot or in Africa and the boat was designed to have all these extra platforms or for sections of it to be taken away so they could fit camera crews and camera equipment and stuff. And I think the color cameras were bigger equipment than the black and white stuff. And so it had to have a lot of space and stuff to be able to float down. And so there's like a raft all around the, the boat hmm. so that they could have all of this stuff hmm. and be able to shoot it all. And they make it through, yeah. And so they're super, they're celebrating. And and as they're celebrating, Charlie throws Rose's hat off and he kisses her. And he's like, yip, hip, hip, hooray, kind of a thing. And they kiss. And it's kind of awkward. But it's the first moment that they actually kind of fully acknowledge what's been going on for them. Mm-hmm. And the next scene has them kind of giving each other looks to show how they really feel about each other. And then ends with them kissing again. And Charlie waking up to Rose making him tea and like breakfast in bed and like AKA they probably slept together. Um, but Hollywood production code, that's as much as they're going to ever show. Still got what, like 10 years of the Hays Code at least? Yeah, just about, I think 10, 15 years probably. Good. <laughs> oh, and like Charlie's next morning, he's like all in love and happy. And there's like a goofy moment of him like imitating hippos and monkeys and making Rose laugh. And and they're just kind of having a good old time. But then it all gets interrupted with, as they approach, some really serious rapids. 
Um, they survive, but the boat's propeller in the shaft has been damaged. So um, Charlie and Rose are going underneath the boat in the water to remove the shaft and propeller, and then they come up with a plan to take it on board on the shore to like heat it up and reshape it and all this stuff to repair it and it kind of and uh they weld it back together and and then they shove off again but it it's a little bit of a detour but again i think the focus or the intent of this is to show them coming together that they're a really good team that they're a really good couple that they're a good pair mm-hmm. and it didn't start off that way it was high class low class you know clean white dresses dirty uh shirts and stuff for for bogey you know sober and drunk kind of thing but now they've they've really come together and have formed a really solid team mm-hmm. yep she or he listens to her and he's uh, gonna build the torpedoes and make you know to go through this plan and then he stops drinking because of her and then in this scene again she motivates him to like weld back the propeller and fix the shaft and everything like that and he's definitely changing and she's i guess growing to like somebody lower class mm-hmm. yeah um they're relaxing and flirting as they're floating their way down the river and rose says he's lost his mind at one point and i like the little response he's like i lost my heart too um and they stop on the bank but they get attacked by mosquitoes in a really cheesy kind of effect <laughs> um <Cool>. and <laughs> And so Charlie covers Rose with a tarp and shoves off away from the shore, but they eventually get stuck in some mud and a bunch of reeds that they have to literally get in the water and pull the boat through by with a rope. And also the water, like Charlie gets covered in leeches from going into the water, and it's oh, yeah, kind of gross. nasty disgustingness. Um, and he's like weakened or sick by this. I don't know if it's something like from the mosquitoes or he just has a fever or dehydrated or something or maybe it's just like alcohol withdrawal or something mm-hmm. but he's like they're finished he's like we're finished uh, but it was worth it because i got to meet you kind of thing and then he passes out and rose has a moment where she prays that god lets them both into heaven because she thinks that they're done for too like this is the end um and just at that moment we see it's raining upstream and we see the kind of the river rising from the rain and it raises the boat up and gets them unstuck and moving and it spits them out onto the lake at the end of their journey where the Louisa is. They've made it all the way. We made it! Hip hip! Hooray! We sure put one over on them that time, didn't we? This this river was supposed to be like unnavigable, Mm -hmm. but they've made it. They've survived all the way out to the lake. And... Hepburn's performance as he wakes her up and she forces herself to sit up and to go out and ask to go out into the middle of the lake is just is great. I think just it is one of the more realistic um, acting moments, I think, for her in the movie. Hmm. I really, really that this, I think, is my favorite performance of hers in any of the movies we've seen. Doesn't she have like a really quotable line here somewhere? Maybe. <laughs> I think there was an AFI nominated quote, but I didn't write it down because it didn't make the top 100 of their AFI quotes. Oh, I swear there's one because I, I talked to Dad about this movie and he had a quote that sounded like Hepburn's that... Um, she talks with hollow teeth, yeah. <laughs> always. Where is it? Nominated quote. 
Oh, here it is. It says, a man takes a drop too much once in a while. It's only human nature. And she said, nature, Mr. Allnut, is what we are put in this world to rise above. Oh, yeah. That was, I think, earlier in the movie when they're still kind of at odds with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, pouring out the gin and stuff like that, right before the pouring out of the gin. Yeah. That's a good quote. And I actually, whenever I was watching, I was like, oh, that's a cool line. Um, and then I... Um, didn't write it down. Didn't write it right down. Past it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then but then I remember looking up. And I was like, oh, that's, that would be the nominated quote from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that they're out in the middle of the lake, they're enjoying the fresh air. But then they see the Louisa heading straight towards them. So they quickly get back into the reeds to hide the boat, and they set off to finish out their plan. They're creating the torpedoes and the detonators, and they resolve to clean up the African queen so it looks her best as a member of the Royal Navy. So they they polish the brass and they scrub the floorboards and they put up an English flag and they start fighting about who's going to ram the boat. Because basically they've put all these explosives into these like oxygen canisters and then they've got like really cheap detonators that are like a couple of pieces of loose wood with some nails that whenever it hits it's going to like knock the nails into the explosives or into something. some bullets and then the bullets yes. will set off the explosives. Yes, that's what it is. And then they they make holes in the front of the boat and they have these things sticking out of the front of the boat. And he's like, I don't want you to get hurt and and he's like, I don't want you to get hurt. And they basically admit that they don't want to go on without the other. So they both resolve to be on the boat as they ram the Louisa with him at the engine and her steering just like they've been doing the whole time. The Louisa nears them at nighttime, and they get set, and they start heading towards it, but as that's happening, a storm hits, and it makes it super difficult to steer, and the boat begins to sink, and it flips over, and they're tossed into the water and get separated. Hmm. And next thing we see is that Charlie's been captured by the Germans, and he's on the Louisa, and he's being interrogated under the threat of death by hanging. Uh, He doesn't really care, and they sentence him to death, but just as that happens... Rose appears as another captive, and they begin interrogating her. And when she finds out that he's going to die, they both proudly tell them what they did, that they navigated this river, that they came all the way down to sink the Louisa, where they made these torpedoes, and and, uh, they're like, well, that's all impossible, and whatever, we're just going to hang both of you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they march them out, and Rose asks to be hanged together, and and uh, Charlie asks the captain of the boat to marry them before they die. Which he does, which is yeah. weird. He does. It's weird. It is weird, but he has, I think, the line of the movie. If Rose doesn't have the line of the movie in that one, the, the, the captain of the German boat does. He says, I pronounce, at the end of like the marriage ceremony, he's like, I pronounce you man and wife. You may proceed with the execution. <laughs> Instead of like, you may kiss the bride. He says like, you may proceed with the execution. It's perfect timing. <laughs> and... Uh, the whole time that their wedding ceremony is happening before they're being uh, ready to be hanged, it's being intercut with shots of the African queen bobbing on the surface of the water with the torpedoes exposed and the Louisa approaching it. And just before they're about to be hanged, the explosions go off and they've been sunk by the African queen and the ship starts going down. And in the chaos, Charlie and Rose find each other in the water and they see... 
the part of the African queen in the wreckage with, that has the name on, on the wood of the side of the boat. And uh, they sing together as they swim to shore and kind of realize what had happened. I think it's that Tweedledeedledee song that he was singing when he was drunk or mm-hmm. something. Um, and that's the end of the African Queen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice quick little movie. It was like, a, what? Um, An hour 40, something like that? Yeah, it wasn't very, very long. Yeah, and I, I like I said, it's a fun, quick adventure movie. It's a good, got some good romance. Uh, it comes out and it makes about ten million dollars off of a one million dollar budget. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and it main, it's get mainly good reviews at the time. It gets nominated for only four Academy Awards: Best Actress for Katherine Hepburn, Best Director for John Huston, and Best Screenplay. And it wins one of those, which is Best Actor for Humphrey Bogart, his only Oscar. Yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I would probably say my favorite performance of his is either Casablanca or Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's fine in this one. Yeah. Um, the American Film Institute has it ranked at number 17 and number 65. It has their top 100 romantic movies. It has at number 14. Their top 100 uh, movies that make you stand up and cheer. It's ranked number 48. And like I said before, uh, Hepburn and Bogart are the number one um actress and actor of classic hollywood according to the american film institute mm-hmm. so that's all i got on this movie before we talk about what makes it great yeah i don't have anything else to say um i'll go first on what makes it great okay um yeah it was just really enjoyable nice and short i love bogart and i love katherine hepburn they played off like each other very very well um, i remember reading in that katherine hepburn book that she was kind of nervous, and I think he was kind of nervous, too, um, about acting together. And like you said, they're in their late age. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this movie, like, revived their careers necessarily. It was towards the end of Bogey's career, and yeah. then Catherine Hepburn's kind of comes back and forth a little bit, and she keeps going, but not, not in such a big dominating role like she was the past decades. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, I enjoyed that. I liked how it was shot on location. John Huston's a great director. Um, it's really well written. The script was really fun, and the shots were really great. I, it's a really fun movie. Um, it's not like something that's like, I think, necessary if you're like a film <laughs> critic or person. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the seventeen, but the sixty-four right. I like. You know, it's like jumping ten years later, jumping down a lot, but yeah. still, I'd say around sixty-ish or so. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it's a fun, entertaining movie with two classic stars. I think this is the last time we see Humphrey Bogart mm-hmm. on this list, but it's not the last time we see Catherine Hepburn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was cool that it was shot on location, but for me, it's not terribly impressive beyond that. Um, I liked, I liked the movie. I, I struggled with trying to figure out, especially the original list, what made it so great to be at number 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 65 i think might be like you said might be a better place for it it's it's fun and entertaining uh but beyond that i like i think every other bogart movie that we did better and i definitely like philadelphia story better Mm -hmm. i might not like bringing up baby better but um yeah i think it's it's a it's a fine movie but yeah i don't know how much historical uh, I don't know how much impressive stuff that there is in this movie that kind of warranted it being a required viewing for someone, like you said. It was a neat, like, I guess, adventure movie in color. Like, yeah. I haven't really had one of those yet. That's true. We had The General, and I don't know what other adventure movies we had, but, like, 
Maybe Mutiny on the Bounty or yeah. something. But that was in color. No, it was black and white. It was? Yeah. Oh, no, it was black and white. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think this one, this movie is definitely better than Mutiny on the Bounty. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's another sailboat movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, that was fun, though. What do we got next week? We got a good one next week? I think... Oh, next week we skip forward into 1952 and we get a top 10 movie. Oh, buddy. I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you share what it is? We're going to do... Listen to uh, Singing in the Rain. Listen to... Watch. We're going to watch Singing in the Rain. <laughs> Doobie doop doop. And we may have a guest for this episode. Yeah. We're going to try to get another guest on the show for this next episode. Um, this is a big one for our family. I feel like we watched it a lot when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it kind of it, this movie. I'm already like going to talk a little bit. Like it feels like a warm blanket for me. This movie, like I, it's one of those movies that I would like watch when I was like sick. I feel like yeah, that's um, a good one for sure. And it's Singing in the Rain came out in 1952, and it was ranked number ten on the original list. And then for the tenth anniversary, it moves up to number five. Wow. So this is a big one. That is a big one. And that's next time. But for this time, my name is... Oh, please leave a review. Subscribe to our podcast. Share it with your friends and family if you're enjoying what you're hearing. And uh, my name is Andy Fernandez. My name is Michael Fernandez. Thank you guys for joining us on What Makes It Great.